Hello, everybody, and welcome to issue number 46 of the Roll for Initiative podcast. We are back again this week for another episode, and uh, sitting in this week, we'll have DM Nick. Nick. Hello. And uh, Matt will be sitting in again with us this week. How you doing, Matt? Oh, doing well, doing well. And I am, of course, DM Vince, and DM Jason will be sitting out this week for personal reasons. He'll be back next week, but for this week, you got the three of us, and you'll have to deal with the three of us, so too bad. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes, ha uh-huh. So, uh, Nick. Yes. What have you been doing this week? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing? Uh, yeah, uh, just, uh, you know, work. And per- uh, doing some prep work for uh, the next uh, game night that'll be in the next couple of weeks. So, yeah. as far as gaming situation, that's what I've been doing. Not a whole lot of other stuff. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty much it. Okay. And, uh, Matt? Well, my RPG campaigns are still on hiatus. One will be on hiatus till after Easter. The other one still recovering from the great basement flood. Yikes. So, yeah, so gaming's kind of been on the RPG front, non-existent. Um, I did manage to play in a couple Heroclix tournaments, one on Wednesday night and one on Friday night, so I did get my gaming fix in, just not in the form of tabletop RPGs. I thought Heroclix was cancelled. Um, it was brought back uh, last around January. It was uh, WizKids was bought by NECA, and they brought back the HeroClix line. Oh, really? Cool. Because I had a whole bunch of the DC ones I was collecting when I was playing the DC Heroes game. Yeah, they've oh. a- uh, actually released two DC sets uh, last year. They released the Brave and the Bold, and then they released uh, a DC 75th anniversary set. Hmm. Um, and then there's also some tie-ins with the brightest day and blackest night oh, cool. uh, story arc. So, but yeah, yeah. Heroclix is back and rock. And they did they redo the starter set or anything like that? Or? Uh, th- yeah, they redid the starter set. It's actually the blackest night is the starter set. It okay. Comes with seven figures, one for each uh, lantern color. Oh yeah, okay, I can't remember that. Yep. Yeah. Now cool. I wonder what's uh, going on with the Pirates of the Spanish Mainline now. You know that uh-huh. ships game, because I know that was under WizKids, and huh, well, I was playing that for a while too. Yeah, they haven't brought that back. It yeah. was bought by uh, NECA. It's just a matter of which games they want to bring back. Mm. So far, they mostly just seem to be in, interested in supporting the Clicks line of the games. Um, because they're also coming out with Street Fighter clicks that are compatible with Hero clicks. Oh my gosh! Yeah, nice. I know there's a guy. I was looking at them like maybe a year or two ago before they when WizKids went out. Some guy offered me like the whole entire set for Marvel and DC for like a hundred bucks. Oh, Every single figure. I was just like, eh. Oh, wow. I, I probably should have picked them up, but I was just like, I don't really want to spend a hundred bucks right now. Uh, I know a bunch of people when WizKids went out of business scored a lot of figures because the warehouse for WizKids was in Cincinnati, and they uh, threw out everything. Wow, and my God. So people were just dumpster diving WizKids, getting cases and cases of product and promos. And oh, it was man. ridiculous. That's stupid. They should have at least sold them. Yeah. I, for whatever reason, it was just to the trash, but I don't 
think much actually made it to the garbage from the sounds of it. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of that got snagged up and sold on, like, eBay and all that. Yeah, there was a lot of stuff that was looted from that. Just some friends of mine (laughs) scored, like, complete sets of figures where they were in the garbage. It was kind of ridiculous, really. Wow. Nice. Wow. So, uh, if you like playing Hero Clicks, go ahead and start collecting again. I I know I might. (laughs) It's actually kind of a fun game to play when you're bored. Or not bored. Yeah. So I haven't been doing much in gaming. Actually, last Thursday we took a break from Book of Sorrows because one of the players was out of town. We were playing Star Trek The Lug, uh, Last Unicorns game. Oh, yeah. I th- thought you mentioned that last time. Yeah, How'd we didn't get out? too far. Uh, we only we only made up characters and we were just, you know, BSing the whole time. So. Oh, uh, uh, you didn't blow up any planets? No, I didn't blow up any planets, no. Oh. It takes such a long time to make up a character in that game. So. Oh, really? Yeah, because you have to go through like the history of the character. But once you do, the gameplay is really quick. Oh, that sounds cool. So, that's what we're doing with that. Anyway, that I guess that's really it. Uh, the website, we have some... We had another article up, I saw. Oh, really? Oh. I forgot the name of it offhand. But I think it might have been last week, so I apologize for that. But Nick, do we have any stars this week? Uh, nothing new for this week for stars and up on iTunes, but just to remind everybody, we're up there whenever you want to listen to the podcast from iTunes and, uh, please, uh, give us a review. doesn't matter, you know, how many stars or whatever we'll, we read them and we, uh, and we like seeing them. So keep them coming. Yes. And I know there's a couple people who said we haven't posted up the articles, uh, for the show notes for the last couple episodes. So uh, we'll get those up as soon as we can. It's just a matter of a crack few... the whip on that producer guy. Whoever... Yeah. Oh. Oh. Yeah. It's Matt. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. It's his job. You can blame him. Email Matt at uh, RFI Pod. I don't even know if he has an email. Do you have one? Yes, it's Matt at RFIPodcast.com. dot com. There you go. Email Matt really? and yell at him. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll head into the table matters this week. Typical. Of all the evil creatures in the world, I'd like to find one with table manners. What are you kidding me? I've spent years cultivating the worst table manners on the planet. Table manners. So, for table manners, we have uh, not really a rule, but just kind of discussion about fighting in darkness. Do you have any rules for fighting in darkness, Nick? I'm afraid of the dark. You're afraid of the dark. I don't have any rules for fighting in darkness, save I use what I, I guess I you I would use the invisibility rules. Basically just a minus four to hit. I think that's probably I thought that was kinda of like the safest quick way to go when you're trying to hit somebody in darkness. If you don't have infravision or ultra vision or whatever well, maybe weapon a, vision you got. Magic darkness can prevent you from uh seeing Okay. Even with vision, right? I don't know. I believe that's how it works. Matt, what do you hmm. have to say about that? Um, really, when it comes to dar- uh, darkness, I really don't have any rules either. I kind unless someone has like infrared vision or ultralight vision, I pretty much would assume it's affecting both sides equally. So why slow down combat by applying the same negative modifier to both sides? 
Well, so. are we talking about like when we're talking about fighting in darkness? Um, we talking just like complete pitch black then? Mm-hmm. Or varying degrees of darkness. I would assume fighting in darkness means fighting in complete utter like darkness. Pitch black. You're in a. You're you in walk a into a cave. Your room. torch goes poof. Oh, okay. Or your lantern well, yeah. goes crack. I. Yeah, I yeah I use the I guess the rule for invisibility minus four to hit. I mean that's that seems like a safe way to go. I don't know. Yeah, that'd probably yep. be the best way to go. Is there any other ways we can do something for fighting with darkness? I don't know. I mean, I mean... you know, unless they have unless a person has infravision or ultravision, where yeah. or, you or know maybe they're not going to if... get any negatives to hit. Yeah, maybe if they had, like, enhanced hearing or something, it could be, like, a sonar-type effect where you can hear them move or, their like, their clothes rustling more so, so you can kind of place it better that way, kind of like how Daredevil's powers work. Um, like, I really don't... Hmm. Now, yeah. what, what about casting spells in darkness? Oh, boy. Now, you can't, <laughs> you can't see components and stuff, so you're just going to have to kind of guess... I would say, you know, casting any sort of, well, not any sort of spell. I guess if they're, if they only have a verbal or a verbal and a somatic component, I would say you would be able to cast it. But if it has a material component to it, I think you're going to have a tough time. Unless the material component, like for clerics, is like just their holy symbol. I mean, that might be okay. I give yeah, them a percent you... chance based on their level and what level the spell is. Oh, that's true. That would be good. Because if they're like 8th yeah. level and they're casting a 1st level spell, they would obviously know what the component feels like for a 1st level spell because they've probably used it so many times by that point. Mm-hmm. Right. You could even, for if they're a lower level caster, give them a percent chance for being able to fish out the right uh, component just at random, just by you stick your hand in and pull something out. And is it the right thing or not? No, no, there goes my cricket. <laughs> yeah. Ah, <laughs> oh, where'd it go? <laughs> now, what about yeah, if- I didn't even think of that from that angle. Yeah, yeah, for magic users. But yeah, I think of it that only has. There's not many spells that only have verbal or verbal and somatic. Yeah, components exactly. To it. Not a whole lot. <laughs> and how would you guys take into consideration, uh, say, like the wizard casting light in the darkness? All of a sudden, for that brief, how long, however long it lasts, to blind everybody, go with the blindness rules, kind of. Yeah, you well, can give everyone like a save, and if they fail their save, they're blinded for a round as their light uh, eyes readjust. Yeah, like a save versus magic. Yeah, save versus magic uh, of the level of the spell. Mm-hmm. Um, that way, if they're, you can say they're uh, blinded for one round or days or however you choose to. Well, light is only verbal and semitic. There's no material components to it, so they could cast it in total darkness, I would think. Yeah. Looks like whoever actually wrote the light spell realized, hmm, I'll probably be in total darkness when casting. It's not a good idea to include materials. No, not at all. Protection from evil, on the other hand, just looking through the book, it has a material component. So that one's going to be a little more difficult to cast. I don't know if protection for you is going to be the first spell I'm going to look through into my mind for going to well, cast. Well, I'm, I'm just like thrown out there. <laughs> Light yeah, might okay. be my first thing. How about I'm, push? <laughs> push. 
I'm thinking fireball to light whatever room you're in. You could probably know what bat guano feels like when you stick your hands in your Ugh. component bag. Oh, yeah, and if you hit the bat guano with the fireball, boom. Yeah. yeah. Bat guano. Yummy. Collect the whole set, yeah. Oh, jeez. <laughs> So if you have any uh, ideas about fighting in darkness or any rules that you use for your campaign, I guess give us a, a holler, a holla, uh, RFI staff at gmail.com or 570-825-4065. The uh, hotline. hotline. <laughs> yes, that was the right. No, it's 4210. Sorry. <laughs> Did I say 4205? It's 4210. I'm looking at it now. 570-865-4210. The original hotline. The original. The original. Not the okay. new one. Not the imitation. Not the imitation. That's correct. Yeah. And let's head into uh, game mechanics. You think I'm mad? Perhaps I am. What are you, a wizard or genius? Darn. A perfectly good brain wasted. Game mechanics. All right. Let's see. Gaming com- mechanics today. We are going to talk about something that I don't like to particularly mess with a whole lot in, <laughs> in when you get in these combat situations. But basically, missile weapons, firing in the combat, and the the rules that are stated in the Dungeon Master's Guide. And I believe it's on page 63 of the DMG. Yes, it is. It's for uh, firing in the melee. And... Um, you know, I'm reading through the rules <laughs> for mm-hmm. firing in the in the melee, and it made my head hurt. <laughs> I, to, to be honest, I mean, you you know what you know what the second paragraph into it under missile discharge on page sixty three. Mm-hmm. So you know, yeah, a little bit of a taste of that paragraph. Let's see. Let's, Likewise, discharge of missiles into an existing melee is easily handled. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it is permissible, of course, and the result might not be too incompatible with the desires of the discharging party. Okay. Assigning, assign possibilities to each participant in the melee on target group according to sheer numbers. In the case of participants of varying size, use half values for size S, normal values for size M, and one and one half values for size L creatures, which are not too much larger than man's size. <laughs> Total the values for each group and ratio one over the other. If side A has four man-sized participants and side B has three smaller than man-sized participants and one size L bugbear, the ratio is four to three. Then it goes on from there and you want to explode. <laughs> Jeez. I know that's like half the paragraph, and I'm like, huh? I'm I'm not a math person. Neither am I. I never have been, you know. And I I know with D and D, and I know A D and D in particular. It, it also it attracts people who like to do number crunching kind of stuff. I but this is no. <laughs> it's a little too much for me. <laughs> Jason would like this. I mean, I don't know if there's an alternate we could do, but, um, you know, it's 
you read more into that. I'm like, oh my gosh, what a what a mind boggling thing. I just like roll the hit. <laughs> I yeah. You have a uh, method, Matt. Um, it's really I would do you roll the hit if you miss and roll really bad. Then I might say, okay, you have a percent chance to hit someone else, a friendly figure. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. it it just really just seems like it would bog combat down where you have like your front line big brawly fighters going at it and then you have like your ranger in the back trying to shoot in it it just seems like it would make a mess of things yeah and i'm trying to figure out all the different sizes of the creatures and the ratios on one side to the other yeah it would just bog down combat i agree yeah it it, it, it's realistic but it's it's realistic at the expense of fun i think Mm. it it yeah it what you gain from the realism that this is trying to replicate, I think you lose in fun just because you yeah. spend so much time number crunching. Unless you like number crunching and that's right. your idea of fun. Right. <laughs> now, not maybe, mine. <laughs> yeah. Maybe if you had some app that you could just say, we have these creatures together, what's the ratios? And just spits it out in advance? But Yeah. yeah. I would... I guess what I would do, I mean, normally I'd just say, yeah, roll the hit. I guess if you roll a one, which yeah. would be like a fumble, then I'd say, mm, you might have hit an uh, an ally in melee, right. you know, and I would, I don't know, if, just 50-50, maybe a yeah. modifier for decks, you know, yeah. something like that. It's like either you hit him or you missed him. Maybe a yeah, maybe a slight modifier for decks somehow. Kind of figure it out that way, but I don't think I would you know do any sort of check. Like I said, if there was like a roll of one on the to hit. What about you, Vince? Well, I actually use the. Um, I think it's a rule from a uh, classic D anD D. When mm. firing into combat, uh, they have depending on how many people are surrounding the monster. If it say it's four of your your friends. Mm-hmm. And it's you in the back flinging that arrow. Uh, you would roll a d6, and if you hit a one on the d6 when you roll your two hit, you would you would hit a person in your party. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh. I've used that method a bunch of times. I don't know if it's an official rule, but I've seen a lot of classic D and D players do that. So I don't I don't know where I saw that, but I've always used that. Just roll your two hit. Even if you hit or miss, just roll d6 with it alongside, like together. And if you roll the one, you will hit someone in the party by accident. Oh, it's kind of like what I was doing, just like with a, but it's simulating in a different way. Instead of like having a roll of one on the 20 sider, you roll the hit. And if you hit, if you roll one on a D six, right. well, yeah, mine's more of, you have a more of a, ch- more of a chance of hitting somebody in the party, uh, yeah. which kind of makes more sense. Cause if you have four people surrounding one big monster or one little monster, for example, and everyone's going to be crowding the monster and you're going to be trying to shoot this arrow through, you just might hit your friends. Yeah. Yeah. I, I actually, I kind of like that one. I kind of like that. Hmm. That's pretty cool. And then after that, you got to determine, okay, which one of my friends did I just hit? <laughs> well, that's up to the DM, you know. <laughs> I would leave it totally random. It's like if there's four people around, they got hit. I would roll a D4. Oh, let's see. Number three. Oh, that's you. You hit the magic user in the face. <laughs> 
With your sling stone. I don't know. <laughs> your arrow just went in the back of the neck of the cleric. He's dead. Oh, nice. <laughs> really incapacitate the party. Yes. No cleric, no life. <laughs> right. Exactly. I can't think of any other way to do it other than that. I've never come up with another method other than that. No, I haven't either, I, I from what I do. But, I mean, I read it in the book. I can see how it's done. It just seems like a lot of, you know, kind of guesstimating the ratios and the percentages you got to come up with based off the ratios. It just seems a little, it's a little too crunchy for me, you know? Hmm. I guess you could, you could, I mean, if you have an experienced archer in the in the group, that, and you're, say, like, higher level, I could see putting it up to, like, a D8 or a D10 and rolling a 1 just to make it a little bit more experience-wise. Start at the D6, and then every three levels, raise it up by a die or something. That kind of makes sense. That's a pretty cool idea uh, yeah. for that rule. Yeah. The more experience you have, the less of a chance, but you still got to roll for it. There's always a chance that the you know the expert uh, marksman is gonna hit accidentally, like the wind's gonna blow or dust is gonna get in his eye or something. Uh huh. Sure. Someone steps on his foot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or you know, he just the, the string breaks. You know, something's gotta happen. Yeah. That's what I'm kind of. I guess my way was kind of simulating that effect. If you roll the one on the to hit. You know, you miss the monster or whatever you're attacking, but it's a fumble in the sense that, uh-oh, something happened. You might hit one of your buddies. <laughs> I've also seen people do, like, a 25% chance, too, that you'll hit somebody. Oh, okay. I guess, you, yeah, there's lots of different ways you could do it, besides what's in the book. And I guess, you know, that's one of the cool things about AD&D is... You could do stuff like that, what we were talking about, and the whole system still stays together. It's not going to completely fall apart around you, you know? It's yeah. just one of those rules where if you want to make up something on the fly, but later on you're consistent with that on-the-fly rule, and if it works, hey, just use it. So, yeah, it's not like later editions. If you like make up a rule, it'll kind of like destroy the whole system. Yeah, we won't, won't say anything about it. <laughs> I wasn't naming another system. I just said another system. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> All right, well, tell us how you do it, firing into combat, how you handle firing into melee, and how you handle other ways of firing into whatever. Email us, phone us, I don't know, text message us. Send us real mail, too. That's right. <laughs> you could send us real mail to the following address of a Roll for Initiative at 200 East 10th Street, number 511, New York, New York, 10003. That's the Roll for Initiative mailbox. Mailbox? That's right. <laughs> Where Jason is standing by to get your mail. Okay, and we'll head into the Creature Feature Theater next. Okay. And now we are in the Creature Feature Theater. This week, we're going back to our favorite book for monsters, The Fiend Folio. <laughs> and if we, yes, as we slowly make our way to cover every creature in The Fiend Folio, 
Why not? They have the best creatures. Absolutely. And if we turn to page 87, we will be discussing the Terrathran. Yeah, it's the Terrathran. A- I think that's how it's pronounced. I think. I think so, yeah. Yeah, I think so. That's why I'm like, hmm, Terrathran. If not, that's the official RFI pr- pronunciation. Yes. Terrathran. It sounds terrifying. It is, especially if you use magic. Oh, yeah. Please do tell. Yes, the Terrathran is a creature from the ethereal planes, a short biped, but it gives off a faint shadowy appearance when in the prime material plane, so it has an AC of three. But when it's on its own plane, it's an AC of six. But what gets interesting is you only find them in their lair Unless you use lots of magic, and that's how you draw them out of the ethereal plane. Yeah. Because they come to dislike the swirls and warps caused by the magic users on the prime material plane. So they'll pop out of the ethereal plane just to attack the magic user, kidnap them, and take them back and punish them for being bad and disrupting their home. Hm. Naughty, naughty, naughty mage. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is there a percent chance this happens, or this usually happens? Oh, this is – it's a percent. Uh, really, if you're just going around casting Magic Missile, it really doesn't bother them that much. So it, they're really not concerned. It's not until you start u- using high-powered magic. Like the use of an eighth-level magic user spell has a 20% chance of attracting its attention. Uh, a ninth-level, 36 a 30% chance, a 6th level illusionist spell, 10%, a 7th level is 20 So basically, once you hit the 6th level, it's a 10% up. Now, it, it does say, though, that continual use of low-level magic will attract its attention. Right. So if it says if you do a total of 16 or more spell levels within successive melee rounds then it'll appear as well so if you have like a party of magic users and they're just throwing spells right and left you'll probably be paid a visit because then at that point it has a 65 percent chance of showing up oh gosh oh, or if you use a magic item three consecutive times like a wand of cold or a helm of brilliance from last week. Uh-huh. <laughs> 65% chance it's showing up because you're disrupting its home. Man. So careful when you cast that Dimension Door uh, spell. Oh, yeah. my gosh. And this also, is, yeah, it, it's just nasty. And then when they show up, they have a 50% magic resistance. Oh, boy. Yeah. So, yeah. And then it gets better. <laughs> yeah. It definitely gets better because they also have special powers that they can use up to six times per day. They got a stunning blast, which has the effect of power word on all creatures within a 10 radius. Oh, yeah. They got drain power, removes all magic ability from a magic user until the appropriate regenerative time is passed. Treat as though the spellcaster used all of his spells. Um, cause serious wounds. And then transportation. This is what he saves to kidnap your magic user. Because, <laughs> because he this magic user must be punished according to this creature. Ugh. So yeah. So at that point, it's a nice way to get a free trip to the ethereal plane. 
Oh, sure, sure, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I could totally see, like, a magic user finding, like, a really powerful book and be like, you know what? I'm going to cast a spell out of here just the hell of it to see if it works. Yeah. Or, and like, then... he's in the thick of a battle or something, and he's like, ah, he flips open the book, just cast something like a scroll to save his life, and meanwhile, it's something bad, and, like, this little guy's like, ha-ha, and he jumps out of the portal and yeah. grabs the magic user and pulls him in. Yeah. I, I could also just see it as a way to, uh, instead of grabbing the magic user, maybe grabbing the magic item if all of a sudden they have a magic item that's just causing too much havoc on your campaign. Mm. Use this creature as a way to uh, remove it from the game, so to speak. Yeah, because it says is treasure type, various discharged magical items, mostly useless. Yeah. So that's the only thing you're going to find in its lair. It's a whole bunch of, you know, if there are any. Bunch of discharged magical items. Yeah, and to, to okay. hit him, if if you try to combat this thing when he does show up, you need silver or magical weapons, and he has that resistance, the fifty percent resistance to magic. Gosh. Yeah. And in their own plane, their their armor class is lower, and their resistances are lower, right? Yes. And hmm. yeah, they actually are... inflict more damage with their claw attacks on their on the ethereal. Yeah. I wonder if you could use this for, like, a higher-level campaign of maybe, like, I don't know, maybe 10 to 13 around there. A, like, a good seed of something like you're in this village for a while and you're helping the town out or something or other. And then one of the good townspeople gets kidnapped because he's, you know, trying to cast a spell to help someone. Yeah. And the town looks upon you and try and can say they can open the portal to help. You have to go save him type thing. Yeah. Or I could see it maybe you have a wizard's academy and the young... Yikes. Uh, digitators are getting kidnapped by these as they're because they're all in class. They're using their magic, and poof, one of them's gone. Well, you know, I, <laughs> I'm reading through the description of this thing today, and I'm thinking to myself, I don't like this creature. Just the simple fact that it's scary. You know, it's just. <laughs> I mean, beyond like casting spells now. We have to know it only is magic user and illusionist spells that's attracted to, not cleric or druid, druid spells. Um, but just the simple fact that any sort of magic user or illusion magic, when you cast it, there's a percentage chance of one of these things coming to the prime material plane and, you know, giving you the smackdown. I just think these would be popping up left and right. It'd be like rats. <laughs> And yeah. then the and on top of the magic items that it's attracted to, and they're more used more than three times per day. I mean, come on, how many of us uh, been in a in a? Oh my gosh, I got a magic user in my campaign. He has a wand of magic u missiles with like forty some charges. I mean, hello, <laughs> yeah, he's using that mama Gemma a lot, especially if he found it at low level. That's his lifeline. And then one of these little guys shows up. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, these little buggers will come out of nowhere. I know. Literally. Yeah. <laughs> oh, if anything, if you want to get some experience points, sure. Start casting spells and using that uh, wand of frost. So. <laughs> I can't really see him coming for just a wand of frost, though. Well, it says. Uh, I know. I just three consecutive uses of a magic item. I just I mean, can't see him bothering to deal with some low-level magic user that has a wand of frost or something. 
It's not the magic user itself, it's the item. I know, yeah, but yeah. still. I just can't see him coming over to waste his time on such a little flimsy item. He was he'd probably snag it out of his hands and then smack the magic user on the nose and say, No, bad. Yes. Don't do that. I was trying to take a nap. <laughs> some of these creatures I wonder why some of these creatures were invented. Obviously this one was invented to take the magic item away from a group. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, this was this was definitely designed to mess with the magic users of the party. Or yeah. somebody abusing a particular magic item that they have, like you know, like that helmet brilliance we were talking about. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so ever create, created this obviously had a campaign where magic broke it. Well, let's see who created it. Should be in the back of the book. I think they have a list of all the different. Yeah, oh, they do I all the creators. That. Yeah, yeah, uh, they do. Let's see who created Ronald Hall. And if I remember correctly, my knowledge of the Fiend Folio, most of these were compiled from various issues of White Dwarf magazine back in the day when oh. they had their their section, their little bestiary section in White Dwarf. So a lot of them are compilations of, you know, contributors to White Dwarf magazine back when White Dwarf, you know, did that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, way way back in the way way, way back 80s, in the 70s uh, and 80s, yeah. yeah. Before it became the House Magazine, a game workshop. Yeah, it, it, it might be from one of those issues, you know, of White Dwarf, for all I know. I was looking at this OSR magazine called Oubliette. I believe that's how it's pronounced. And I apologize to the uh, author and publishers if I'm pronouncing it wrong. But you can download a free issue of it right now. Issue 5 just came out recently. But they were talking about um, an issue of White Dwarf Magazine when they... I don't know if you remember this, Nick. Way back when they did the... Um, I can't think of the name of it right now. It was... Oh, the Monster Mark system, uh, designed by Don Turbo, originally published in the White Dwarf magazine. Monster Mark system? Yeah, it's when you can figure out the average amount of damage a party of four orcs would do against a party of... uh, Oh, a party of four players, and if you can adjust it based upon what the, the enemies are wearing and using and that the numbers will go up and see how long the battles will last. Huh. It's kind of interesting. Or an interesting read. I would never use it, but it was a really interesting read. And uh, the person in this magazine updated it for Labyrinth Lord. Okay. And their okay. system is called the uh, the Modified Monster Mark system. It's a really good read. I suggest everyone go uh, download it. I did a review of the magazine on my blog, theevilgm.com. Ooh, I'll check it out. I, I've heard of the magazine. So yeah, I, I, put I just a link haven't up picked there. up the issue, so they got a free one. Yeah, I'll snag it up, take a look. Yeah, great, great magazine. They talk about vampires in it, and they have some really cool little cartoons. First time I've seen it was this week, and I was like, "Oh, I got to do a little review of this one. It looks really good." Huh? Cool. But yeah, that was there was just an example of uh, the White Dwarf magazine we were talking about, and how they used to produce for various things. Oh, cool. Okay. Huh. So that's so that. how would we? Yeah, how would we use this in the campaign? Well, we I guess we did kind of cover that. Yeah, we kind of did. Oh, yeah, okay. I'm, I'm a little behind on times. Yeah, that's what Nick, happens you when are. you turn forty. You forget things. Oh, that's right. It was Nick's birthday. Yeah, <laughs> last week. Now you were <laughs> yeah, last Sunday. Yeah, you were over Monday. the hill now. Monday. 
You yeah. are over the hill, my friend. I'm at the top. I'm at the crest. You're, you're approaching. <laughs> you're approaching graybeard territory. I know. <laughs> you gonna start growing that beard? Oh, that's right. Mrs. Nick doesn't like that. <laughs> I don't either. Oh, you could be the next Frank Menser with a nice giant beard. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's head into Dragon's Horde. The Dragon's Horde. All right, for the Dragon's Horde this week, we have the Horn of Valhalla. Interesting name. Because. <laughs> interesting about Valhalla is usually the afterlife of the Vikings and the Norse would consider the afterlife. Mm-hmm. So there's four variations of this magical device. Each summons a number of berserkers from Valhalla to fight for the character who summoned them by blowing the horn, which is awesome. My, my father was a berserker. <laughs> so once every seven days you can use the horn and uh, it appears to be a normal instrument and until you use the horn or the command horn is discovered, it's just a regular horn. But the, mm-hmm. what is cool is you roll a 20-sided die, and that determines what fighters and what levels you get and uh, how long they can be used for. So I think this is going to be a really cool magic item to talk about. Yeah, I was reading the description, too, and I, I'm i trying to remember, but when I was reading through it, I could have sworn there is an adventure where you do find a Horn of Valhalla, and I want to say it's in the Against the Giant series. Yeah? I'm, oh, okay. I'm, I'm almost certain on this that it was with when you go through and raid the frost giants lair. Mm-hmm. I could have sworn there's a hall, a horn of a holla that you find. I could be wrong on this. Someone you know out there, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. I'll check. I'll check my adventure later. But I could have sworn you could find one of those in there. But yeah, it's a cool magic item. And only certain sudden, classes can use the certain colors of the horn too. Right, right. In fact, yeah, when you find it. The type of horn, uh, the lower the roll, the it could be used by any class, but they're not as great as berserkers. No, but the, but like uh, if you find a, a bronze one, uh, it's two to eight fourth level berserkers, but only clerics and fighters can uh, can uh, do can toot the horn. Yeah, so when you when you the DM can either pre-roll this or roll on the fly, depending on how you want to handle it when they yeah. identify it. But I would think to just pre-do this because it'd be kind of silly if you just say, "Oh, the horn is brass," and then you like you roll later on with an identifier, it becomes bronze. You know? Right, right, right. <laughs> Something. Cheesy yeah, this like is that. one you gotta do beforehand. I agree. And I think yeah. it's pretty cool that um, you <laughs> there is a drawback to it, though. There is. Yeah, only fifty percent of the horns are aligned, and will summon only fighters of that horn's alignment. <laughs> and if the person blowing the horn's alignment does not match the alignment of the berserker summon, they attack you. Nice. Yes. <laughs> so I could see this being like uh, a really fun magic item to find and give to a higher level group and let them play around with it and see what happens. Oh yeah. Well, even, even a low a mid range party, you know, once you need a, you need a few uh, meat shields to <laughs> to help you out. Boom. There they are. 
it would be kind of cool to take this item and change it up a little bit and make it, instead of being like two to whatever, make it like, um, let's see, whatever. We'll talk, we'll say with the silver one, for example. Like, mm-hmm. an ogre will show up instead. Like, one giant ogre will show up. Or I, I could just think of you, you blow like, and like a giant creature comes out. So you could change it to be like giant okay. creatures and stuff. Yeah. Also, yeah, like different variants of this particular horn. Instead yeah, so, of like berserkers, yeah. maybe something else. Like the bronze one, you blow the horn, this giant thing comes out, like, <laughs> and you're like, oh, what did I do? Oh, that would be a cool variant. Yeah. Instead of like berserkers, like maybe it, you know, maybe it'll like bugbears will, you know, be summoned or something yeah. like that. Not not as many, just like I would. I'm just thinking one giant creature for each variation of the horn. Yeah, going from like size from or a hill silver, giant or something yeah. like that, it, like an ogre to a giant. On. And maybe yeah. making up like a special one and having like a titan show up just to you know mess oh, with the characters. <laughs> and the titan is not happy. No, <laughs> who no. dare summon me? Uh, me, sir. <laughs> What do you want? A cheeseburger? Yeah. Squash. Yeah. That's what I thought. Pink. As he flicks you across the planet. Yeah. No kidding. So, I mean, there's various ways you can just play around with all these things to make, you know, know, mess with the players and have a lot of fun. Now, this, it says that the the berserkers, when they are summoned, Mm -hmm. now, they have an armor class of four, so probably something like they're wearing banded mail, or you know they might have chain mail and shield. They have six hit points per die, so not too bad. They either armed with sword and spear. Didn't say what kind of sword, so and or battle axe and spear. Now, they I would I would probably say gladly, like long sword or something. Yeah, I would say long sword. They gladly fight whomever the possessor of the horn commands until they or their opponents are slain or six turns have elapsed, whichever occurs first. So six turns, that's how long? Six, that's, six minutes? Is that six minutes? Yeah, because a round is uh, ten seconds. Mm-hmm. Uh, one turn is six rounds. So, yeah, so you'd have 60 rounds of combat. Before they disappear. For six minutes, pretty much. Yeah. Oh. That's now cool. I'm trying to figure that when you blow the horn, do they just magically like form in front of you, or do they come running from like out of nowhere? Or I don't know. It doesn't really say. I guess it's like DM's discretion on that one. Right. I would say they kind of like magically form out of the air in front. Right, of yeah. The, yeah. The, the spirits horn. of the fallen warriors are being pulled from Valhalla when you blow the horn. And when you do this one, you gotta play uh, Wagner's Right of the Valkyrie or something like that. That would be cool. <laughs> yeah. Yes. When, whenever you blow the horn, that is the sound that comes out of it. Yeah, that would what? be totally. That'd be totally <laughs> kick butt. <laughs> yeah. That definitely would. So I guess we'll throw it out to you out there if you want to just tell us how you would handle this horn or how you would modify the horn. Maybe you have different ways of different creatures for this type of horn. Like I was thinking. Or Nick's method, or whatever. Give us a call, write us, smoke us, you know, whatever. We accept gifts. Yes. And we'll be right back after this. Well, it looks like that's going to be the end of the show. Oh. Nice little. Soon. 
Yeah, it's a short show this week. Short and sweet. Short and I think sweet. next time we should do back to our original format for uh, our creature feature theater. Well, it depends you know? on it depends on if we have someone to run it. The reason why we went back to the original format is because we had two actual play podcasts already. Oh, okay. so if people wanted to listen to actual play, they could just jump over to that podcast. Oh. And plus, it was, the shows were running close to two hours with the with the creature features, and I know. Okay. Jason and I both okay. were discussing that and not wanted to keep want the show because it was such a heavy download for people. So ah, okay, I, that's this is a suggestion. I'll shut up. No, no, it's fine. We can do it for next show. I mean, that's what that's what it came down to, Matt. Right? Because it was such a large download at one right. point. Right. I mean, we we were putting out close to eight hours a month of content. Yeah. With oh wow. Our, previous formats because once we threw throw in the uh, audio segments and then the creature features that were running 30 to 40 minutes each <laughs> yeah they, uh, they basically were like the whole show most of the time got yeah it. okay yeah okay well yeah. okay but every now and then doesn't mean we can't bring back the old way it's for special occasions for special occasions. and since you requested it next week we'll do it yes oh okay. and you'll be well, running it nick I've, I kind of figured as much. <laughs> I'll give you. Uh, I'll give you the creature, so you don't have to worry about the creature. Just worry about how you're going to handle it. Okay. Oh yeah, sure. No problem. Actually, I'm not even sure if I'm going to be around for a show next week. To tell, be honest, to everyone, because I'm going to be out of town. So. Oh. I'm getting back Sunday, but I don't know what time on Sunday. Oh, okay. okay. So Oops. we may not have a show next week, or we may if Matt can send in for record. Can you? You have the capability, Matt. Mm-hmm. I can work on that. Okay. I don't at the moment, but by next week I can work on that. All right, yeah, oh. yeah. I, I know Jason has it, but he has to work on it too. So yeah, it's like since I'm on a PC, Audio Hijack Pro is not quite the <laughs> uh, option that it is for Jason. Yeah, um, uh, if he's available, he may not be. So, but anyway, uh, keep it original, keep it old school, and we'll see you next week, folks. Bye, everyone. <laughs> Go for initiative.